Cardology is now presented by Sardine, and I couldn't be more excited. You'll get to meet their founder, Soups, and some of the team later this quarter, and you'll hear a bit more about why they've caught the attention of some of the smartest fraud leaders I know throughout crypto, fintech, financial services, and e-commerce. Thanks again to Sardine for supporting this episode of Fraudology. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to this week's Thursday episode of the Fraudology podcast, where we dive into the science and study of online fraud from the perspective of an e-commerce fraud fighter. I'm Carice Hendrick. The majority of the conversations and topics that we have here on Fraudology are primarily centered around keeping your employer safe, keeping the company that you work for safe and its customers safe. And that is wildly important to all of us. Because if you inherently identify as a fraud fighter within the scope of everything that means, you could be in trust and safety, you could be in abuse or integrity or others, but really we're all fighting bad actors and people with bad intentions on your platform. But obviously we know that being a fraud fighter is so much more than just a title or a job. And we also need to be on the lookout for fraud in our everyday lives. And often the people in our world look to us and expect us to tell them what to watch out for. And when I was having a conversation with Asaf Kipnis that came out last Thursday, and he was talking about his time being charged with investigating the most complex and pervasive threats on Facebook and Meta's platform, he talked about how scams are just the number one thing that they needed to focus on in the last year. And that's not saying anything bad about his former employer. In fact, it's really good that they put resources towards that. And that did become the number one priority because we know that as good as we can be at protecting companies and entities from being stolen from, well, in a way, because we've gotten good at that, Consumers are now being targeted. And by far the biggest scam that I'm sure you all have heard of is pig butchering. And that's something that Asaf brought up as well. I hate the term. I wish it would change. I don't know if I hate pig butchering or friendly fraud worse, but that's a whole other <laughs> debate and conversation we can have at another date. But no one on this side of fraud or scams came up with that. That's literally what the people who are behind the scams and not necessarily the ones that are perpetrating it and behind the keyboard, but the ones who are training them and the ones that are profiting the most from this, that's what they named it. And I'm not going to attempt to say the term in Mandarin, but it is a word that translates into pig butchering. And that's because it essentially is talking about how a farmer will feed a pig and get them fattened up for slaughter. And in this case, scammers take their time and it's a slow roll and gain trust and then work their way up to get more and more trust, have someone invest in, it was cryptocurrency, now it seems to be gold futures and other types of investing, and then run away with the money. And this has been responsible for so many losses. And I'm actually really excited that Aaron West who, if you are on LinkedIn, you know that name, you should know that name. She is a county prosecutor for Santa Clara County in California. 
And she's really become a very vocal advocate for pig butchering victims and really educating about the scams, as well as really trying to educate law enforcement, local, state, and federal, on how they can research this, especially on the crypto side, and try to get money back from victims because the scam is so bad that there's so much money coming in that they can't move it quickly enough. And so there are people who are capable and are trained in cryptocurrency investigations like Stephen Sargent, who was on the podcast several months ago. They're actually, they've been able to get some of that money back. And Aaron's mission has become, let's train all law enforcement how to do this so they can do it faster and get more money back for victims. So anyway, Erin's going to be on the podcast soon, and she'll be able to talk about pig butchering from a different perspective. But as Asaf and I were talking, I realized that the few things I know about identifying the attempt from pig butchering scams on different social media platforms, I've just picked up here and there from different people. One was listening to I Yell It Bigger Levin's podcast, The Scam Rangers, and also having her on Fraudology a couple of months ago and how she talked about it. Another is reading Erin's post and seeing what she says about how the how victims fall prey to this. But I don't see a lot of other educational pieces saying, hey, this is what a potential pig butcher looks like when they slide into your DMs, so to speak, or when they ask to connect with you on LinkedIn. And so I was already going to talk about LinkedIn a little bit after that conversation with Asaf. And I was going to divide it into two categories for this episode. And they're different but related. So one was going to be how LinkedIn, is, how to identify potential pig butchers on LinkedIn and what to do about it and all of that. And then the other was going to be some of my tips for using LinkedIn for professional development and for making connections and really just overall utilizing it for yourself. No one manages your career but yourself. But at the same time, I've really benefited so much from LinkedIn. I know for a fact that my career and my consultancy and this podcast wouldn't have been the same without it. And I think a lot of you can say that as well. So I'm still going to cover both of those things. Don't you worry about it. But today's episode, I actually, as I was getting ready for it, I was like, oh, yeah, Asaf let me know that he published a report about the pig butchering scammers that were targeting him that he mentioned on the podcast. I'm going to go look at it. I didn't realize how in-depth that report is, and it's super fascinating. So I'm actually going to read through it today and add a few side comments. If I hadn't just asked him for a few hours of his time last week, I would have asked him to come back, but I think this will be valuable as well. And I'll put the link to the LinkedIn article in the show notes. So if you want to look or read along and see all of the visuals, he took screenshots of almost everything. Might be fascinating. And then next week, because it's a shorter week in the US, we're just going to have one episode. And that one I'm going to really dedicate to talking about LinkedIn and using it that way. That'll also be episode 199, you guys. It's blowing my mind. My producer and I have a call tomorrow to talk about how we're going to celebrate the 200th episode. Several of you have some really good suggestions too. But like with almost everything, I'm 
tackling this kind of last minute, but it'll still be really good. It won't be as big or as elaborate as maybe some podcasts are when they celebrate a milestone, but it's going to be a lot. And I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole yet because I could get emotional and I, yeah, that's not the point of this episode. So if you listened to my conversation with Asaf last week, you know that pig butchering attempts are happening on every social media platform. They're not just happening on Facebook. They're not just happening on LinkedIn. They're not just happening on Instagram or WhatsApp or TikTok or anything else. But just for all intents and purposes today, I am going to be talking about it happening on LinkedIn because honestly, that's the only social media platform I really use regularly. So it's what I know. But also, I know that most of you guys use it too. Obviously, be on the lookout for this on other platforms as well as let your friends and family know, especially if you have kids or parents who are on the internet, especially parents who are recently retired, like my mother. I'm just realizing, huh, have I talked to her about this yet? I guess I need to after this episode. But usually they come in, the attempts first come in super benign. We used to get random text messages or other things being like, they just looked super scammy, right? But usually what we're getting is a connection request saying, I want to be connected to smart business people or people in your industry. They don't say what industry specifically. Or they'll say, hi, how are you tonight? What? And there, it can also come through SMS. I haven't seen this as much on my end, but I know some people are still getting these where, especially like several months ago, we'd get random texts that would just say something like, hi, Peter, I can't make my tea time tomorrow. Do you want to do Thursday? Or hi, Rachel, when did you want to go grab pizza? And they know that the, they don't, they probably don't know who owns the phone because they're not looking that much. It's really just scattershot, right? So the way that pig butchering Oh, I really wish we'd come up with another name. But these scammers are looking for victims is by plan planting a whole bunch of seeds and then seeing which ones start to bloom, which ones write back. So those types of texts, the whole purpose was for somebody to write back and say, oh, sorry, you must have the wrong number. This isn't Rachel. Oh, who is this? Oh, let's talk for a while. Let me get you to trust me. And then I'm going to tell you how much money I've made and how you can do that too by investing your money on the platforms that I tell you to. So this is where I'm going to really just let Asaf take you on a journey. This is super fascinating and I think you guys will find it too. So his title of this and it's a LinkedIn article is Pig Butchering Scam Victim Journey and Analysis. So he published this just on May 19th. So over the weekend. And he said, I wanted to do a deep dive analysis on how a pig butchering scam works. All I had to do was wait for a LinkedIn message from a suspicious looking account. That didn't take long. Unfortunately, by the time I got to writing this article, that account had already blocked me, which made me lose my interactions with them. Despite that, I can share the high level indicators of such an account and the information that, about the following conversation. I used AI bots such as Bard, Claude, and ChatGPT to run analysis on the conversation that Tina, in quotation marks, and I had, detailed below. Interestingly enough, all three models were not able to identify an agenda within the conversation. When I asked ChatGPT to provide a high-level analysis of the conversation, it came back with this. So in quotation marks, in quotation marks. The goal of this conversation is primarily to establish a connection and build a relationship between Tina and Asaf. They engage in small talk, share personal information, and discuss their professional backgrounds and interests. The conversation seems to be driven by a desire to get to know each other better. 
establish common ground, and potentially explore opportunities for collaboration or friendship. The goal is to create a positive and friendly interaction, fostering a foundation for future communication and potential mutual benefits. Remember, this is not a romance scam, so the potential mutual benefits are more referring to investment. <laughs> so then, that was my own side note, sorry. Asaf goes on to say, this is very telling. To the uninformed victim, the conversation I had with Tina seemed to be totally benign. This is despite her clear efforts to get me to invest in her fraudulent scheme. This speaks to the sophistication of the operation as it skirts the boundaries of what we're used to with romance scams, where the attacker is clearly going after money. So there are some similarities to romance scams, but they're not as obvious. They take longer and it's not the, the guise isn't for romance. So it widens the field. Women are reaching out to men. Men are reaching out to men. We're in regardless of the victim's preference or anything else. It's not about love. It's just about friendship. How harmless can that be? So you can tell that Asaf writes, uh, has written a lot of these reports because he has he lists the different parts of this report. So check out the analysis below. Indicators, platforms, relationship, investing, and technical analysis. So LinkedIn indicators. In this case, it was an image of a young, attractive Asian woman. The profile picture, usually with the face obscured, sometimes from afar, Sometimes they're looking to the side. In this one, she's wearing sunglasses and looking to the side. So it's more of a profile picture. Other times they might have like their hand in front of their face, which I just tried to put my hand in front of the face and almost knocked over my teeth. There were very few details on the account. The position that they said they had was very obscure. And she had, they have little to no connection. I'll also add that sometimes they will join groups because they know that once they're accepted to a LinkedIn group, they can often message other group members. So they don't need to have a paid LinkedIn account to be able to in-mail people that they're not directly connected to that also can make them look more legitimate. Uh, but yeah, oftentimes they maybe just have one or two job histories. They're pretty light on it. Other times they don't have a picture or something like that. But we can only imagine that as more and more people become aware that this is what the profile of someone who's trying to attempt pig butchering looks like, we can always assume that they will try to get better at that and not have the exact same features. So, you know, one of the examples that he gave was for someone who says that they're the deputy chief executive officer of Imperial Manufacturing Group. And I know that some of these companies are made up. Other times they are just adding themselves to large kind of obscure companies that may not be looking at how many people claim to be working for them. So then the next step is to move off platform. And Asaf and I talked about that quite a bit last Thursday in most scams, whether it's a marketplace scam or something like pig butchering or any other type of scam. One of their first goals is to get you off that platform because they know that the platform is looking for their behavior. So they want to say, hey, let's talk somewhere else. Let's do this somewhere else? Do you have in marketplace scams? It's, hey, do you have this P2P transferring app or do you have this one? Let's go do that there, wherever they can to move off platform. So Asaf goes on to say, the account sparked up a light conversation about enjoying connection with smart and interesting people. And soon then after requested, we move off platform. The specific account started off asking to move to WhatsApp. So I obliged. Remember, Asaf was very aware that he was who he was speaking with. 
So he made those decisions mostly just for research. And I think once a fraud fighter, always a fraud fighter. You always, some of you are more brave about interacting with scammers than I am. I just don't have the time or the patience, or I'm afraid that I'll be texting people so fast that I'll forget, oh, wait, that person I'm supposed to be lying to. And I don't know. But I know that for some people, it's super fascinating. And in this case, we all get to learn from it. So the profile for Tina is in WhatsApp shows a different picture of her in quotation marks, but it has, uh, it looks weird. It looks like it's AI generated and there's like a weird light, orange light in her face. I don't know. It also says she works for a nonprofit organization, which is different than LinkedIn. Then WhatsApp meet Tina. Tina has a business WhatsApp account labeled as a nonprofit. Tina's profile appears to be AI generated. Oh, look at that. Reverse image search did not get any hits. Plus, this image has a tell has telltale signs of being AI generated. That is one thing that you can do, right? You can do a reverse image look on that image, and it'll tell you if it's been seen throughout the internet. If it's someone reels profile picture, I'm sure it's been seen before. I did actually just read a really interesting article actually earlier today that Google image search for reverse image search is actually going to be adding additional pieces of information to help if an image is AI generated. That should be launching this summer, which should be really interesting. And good job to the team at Google. I know some of you listen, it was needed. And hopefully, as I know, was stated in the article, the hope is that other competitors will do the same thing and that it will be helpful as more and more images are being AI generated. And some of us, if we've studied this, and I am not as good as a lot of people in trust and safety have to be, if you know what you're looking for, you can kind of tell that it's AI generated, but it's it's very helpful for those people who aren't don't know or as they get better because they will keep getting better. AI generated pictures have gotten better just even in the last month, if not the last year or two. My goodness. So getting to know you. Tina starts by making herself approachable and establishing some similarities between us. So she says, hi, I'm Tina on LinkedIn. Nice to meet you. And he says, hi, Tina. Are you in New York? I see that your cell phone area code is in New York. Not anymore. I'm in California. I'm in California too. Which city are you in? He says Oakland. And she says, LOL, I just got back to LA from San Francisco yesterday. Look at that. They have so much in common. And that's what his offsets. He says, my, char my character is in California. So Tina is too. What a coincidence. This is after checking the area code from the phone number I'm using. Then there's another picture, like a selfie. And then he said, unprompted sharing of a selfie, establishing that she indeed exists and is an attractive young woman. Again, this image does not come up in reverse image search and has telltale signs of being AI generated. If you want to look up the article, you can see all the pictures. So then he says, establishing business knowledge. So she says, you're currently working as a security engineer at a trust company. And he says, yeah. And she says, cool. In the past, I asked a trust company to invest in me. If she looked at his profile that much longer, she would have seen that it was the trust department within a social media company. But I think that most, if not all of these are either AI generated or they're just templates. I know that Aaron and I will talk about this more, but a lot of the actual humans that are doing the outreach to victims in the U.S. and other Western countries often are victims of human trafficking themselves especially in Southeast Asia with modern slavery and taking advantage of some of the migration crises in those areas. It's hard for me to talk about, so that's where I'm going to stop. But Asaf goes on to say, Tina has done some research. She did connect with me on LinkedIn after all. 
Here she's establishing that she is somewhat familiar with my field and makes a reference to investing to pique my interest. Back to establishing trust. Tina shares personal information about herself. She says that she's from a specific area in China. Have you ever been here to see the pandas? And he says, no, but that sounds fun. Have you ever been to China? I have a chance. I had a chance to come to this place to see where there are many beautiful places and many delicious food. Which city in China do you want to go to? That type of thing. And Asaf notes that establishing cheese from China will ease any concerns I might have about language and cultural inconsistencies. So then she asked, what did you prepare for dinner today? I actually can't see all of Asaf's answers, so I don't know what he said, but it was like one word. Okay, I'm going to take a shower. We'll talk later. Another AI-generated selfie. And then another attempt to change the platform again. In an attempt to establish more faith, Tina attempts to move me to the Line app. So we can chat on video, she says. I was not interested in going down that path, but if I was, she was happy to move there. This would have been specifically for a video conversation. I'm not sure how that would work, I assume, with AI-generated video. Now I'm going to take a time out to say if you do not follow David Maiman, who I had on the podcast two or three months ago now, he is the head of the Cyber Criminology Department at Georgia State University. David is continually posting on LinkedIn about a lot of new technology that the scammers and fraudsters are using and have. And I think about a week or a week and a half ago, I don't know, time is a construct, but David posted a few demos that were posted in dark web forums of scammers talking into what looked like FaceTime. And they would show what they really looked like and then what the victim would see. And it would be like a white man talking to a woman, a victim who's a female. No, actually, sorry, talking to a victim that's a male. And his, what the male would see is a very attractive young woman speaking. And it looked, it would be really hard to tell that you weren't talking to that person. But of course, the reason why they want to do that is because most people think, oh, I talked, I video chatted with them, so they must be real. It's not a scam. But just seeing that technology in use blew my mind and made me realize, okay, we're here now. It's very easy for them to do, and it's relatively cheap for them to do. That's something I often look at in the fraud as a service market is how much are they charging for that service? And I can't remember exactly, but I think it was like $5 or something like that. You can provide a picture of what you want it to look like to the service. You can, there's different types of services. Fraudology is now brought to you by Sardine. So what is Sardine? I mean, other than a small oily fish in the herring family, Sardine is a fraud tech platform that was ultimately built by fraud fighters for fellow fraud fighters with the features that they wanted in a fraud provider when they worked for companies within financial services, e-commerce, digital banking, and consumer lending. They're a team who geeks out on the same minute data that indicate a fraud pattern or anomaly as we do, and they run investigations every day. Sardine's product is even measured with the same KPIs as you probably are. More specifically, Sardine has combined more than 30 data providers into one tool for you. Benchmarked for performance into a single dashboard and API that can be used for KYC, AML, and payment fraud detection. But crucially, they also allow Sardine customers to use their own data, to access their own data, as well as the results from all data providers they work with and the features Sardine has created as they, their customers, 
need to use them. There's no more mysterious black box that calculates the risk of new accounts, logins, or transactions and magically turns them into a score that was most likely based on attributes that look risky to other business models. For some clients, they use sardines as their full stack for all account onboarding, transaction monitoring, case management, etc. Others use them as a sophisticated data provider. Basically, Sardine fits to you rather than vice versa. So if you want to see for yourself that the product you've always wanted finally exists, you can book a demo at www.sardine.ai or by clicking the link in the show notes for today's episode. To answer a little bit of a soft question, I believe that Tina would send this picture to a service provider that offers AI-generated video chats through Line, or it's probably something more in-house. A lot of the organizations that specialize in pig butchering scams and perpetrating them have all of the resources in-house, so they're very insulated. They're doing everything from the beginning to end in-house, so there's not a lot of chats on dark web for law enforcement to find or identify victims or anything like that. After he said, no, she said, maybe tomorrow, because I'm going to line to make a video call with my mother. It's daytime at her place. Have you ever used line? We can video call tomorrow. And he said, no, I like WhatsApp. She said, you can download it. It can be downloaded in two minutes. I don't know what's wrong with my WhatsApp. I can see you when we video call, but you can't see me. I wonder what's wrong. I think he said, just send me sometimes it should work or something like that. She said, so I keep in touch with my family online. You can search from the app store, L-I-N-E. She's really trying. So then the next section is establishing investment knowledge and laying the trap. Tina attempts to show her knowledge in large-scale investments and casually drops numbers to show her wealth and experience. So she says, because the United States is a very free country, people here have a very high awareness of investment and almost every family has their own investment. She didn't meet my family. <laughs> so that when an emergency occurs, families here are more likely to invest than families in other countries weather the storm. That kind of makes sense. This is a paradise for capitalists. As long as you have money, you can do whatever you want. As long as you don't break the law. Laughing emoji. He writes back, LOL, that's true. Just keeping her still on the hook. In fact, when I first came to San Francisco, I worked as a CRO at TBG Capital, and I was responsible for managing private equity in the Asian Pacific region. At that time, my annual salary was only about 250000 It was hard for me to imagine how some capitalists earn $10 million or $50 million. So obviously it makes you go, wow, only 250 k What are you doing? So then she starts to go into gold futures. But when I left TBG Capital in 2019, I owned a small amount of shares in the company and my annual dividends were between $3 million and $3.6 million. And my main source of income now is to invest in international gold futures with my uncle. Have you heard of it? I'm sorry, but a small amount of shares in the company that allows you to have annual dividends of $3 million? Okay, that must have been a very profitable company. She must have had a lot more than a small amount. So she's establishing, now my main source of income is to invest in international gold futures with my uncle. So like with a family member, it's totally safe. Have you heard of it? I now think that the company's dividends to me are not a lot of money. $3 million a year is no longer a lot of money for her. And my more income is investing in gold futures in FX6 with my uncle. So then she shares a screenshot of profit and loss and a net worth. Uh, looks to be quite a bit. I believe you know, about 15 million is what she's claiming there. And she's showing some of the, her past trades. 
Just like my last trade, I made 656500 in less than 10 minutes trading gold futures. So obviously, she's hoping that he says, wow, how did you do that? So after establishing rapport, time to get to business, investments and gold futures. From here on out, Tina will start convincing me and teaching me about investing in gold futures. The get to know you part is done. From here on out, it's all business. Establishing urgency and insider knowledge. Tina seems to have an uncle who is very much in the know. Back to the screenshot. I'm lucky because my uncle has an excellent team of international gold analysts around the world. I invest after their team analyzes accurate trading market data. So the income every time is very stable. And the rate of return is the principal between 15 and 25%. Or, or in principal plus 15, between 25 and 25%. The only downside is that their team can only analyze accurate trading market data one to two times a week. So every trading opportunity is very precious. He just says, huh. And as soon as he writes, you can tell him the time that she's writing right back. Since the beginning of the war, many capitalists have used gold as a safe haven for funds. Not sure which war, but a lot of them. Including the Fed's interest rate hike, many people regard gold futures investment as a safe haven for inflation. Tina is starting to lay, in, lay it on. This is a very good opportunity. She has the inside track and returns have been amazing. Mind you, Tina has not asked me for anything yet. Further baiting, Tina is shocked that my character does not invest. She says, what products have you invested in? Maybe we can communicate with each other and learn from each other. And he says, I've looked into investments but never actually do it. And she sends back the shocked emoji. Oh my God, are you just living off your annual salary from your job? <laughs> baiting some more, but letting me make the first move. Although this light this kind of life is stable, it's difficult to save money and the road to wealth and freedom will be very far away. Ha. Huh? Yeah. And he said, yeah, don't I know it or something like that. Sorry, no harm. I'm just speaking realistically. Laughing emoji. Okay. It doesn't matter when your friendship, it doesn't matter when our friendship is deeper. I will teach you to invest in gold futures to increase your passive income. For example, you can enter the gold futures market with $2,000 and it's also a good chance to earn Three to $500 each time. Ha. And then Asaf goes on with his analysis. I'll teach you when our friendship is deeper. But here is how much you can make on this. Very passive and yet forward at the same time. This does not give off the normal scammy vibe of give me your money right away. And that's one of the reasons why they call it pick butchering. It's a slow process. They're building it on, but they know that the longer they invest in it, the more money they can get at the end. Establishing expertise. Tina starts to lay it on thick with her insider connections. Her uncle is a power player in the gold future space. He has many connections. So she starts talking about her uncle, who he is, that he's her mother's youngest brother. My uncle and my aunt's family are my only relatives in the U.S. They live in Beverly Hills, Los Angeles, of course. And he said, wow, and that's all from the gold. Yeah, And she gave like all this past experience, vice president of this, a member of all kinds of things, like his whole bio, basically, his old made up bio. In 2012, he was awarded the Great Contribution Award of Overseas Chinese in the United States by the Chinese Embassy in the United States. At present, he has, it has investments in many fields such as American technology, finance, medical care, mining, construction, and banking. I think she means his. Sorry, I hadn't scrolled down this far. And she sent a picture of her uncle. It's very obviously an AI-generated one. His, actually, yeah, I think so. It looks like it. Yeah. Anyway, yes, he is former... The former richest man in China. Oh, Jack Ma. Now she's talking about how her uncle is good friends with Jack Ma, the founder of Alibaba. My uncle personally returned to China to help 
Jack Ma with many things, whether it was boring in terms of funds or technology, and even helped him use a lot of government relations. And then Asaf says almost the same thing I was about to. Tina's uncle is or works with Jackie Chan? Unclear. Another attempt to establish clout, albeit a hilarious one. Because next she says, now in the United States, Jack, Jack Ma, my uncle, Jackie and Jackie Chan, they are all good friends. They have a lot of common business. We often meet. Wow, well, she meets Jackie Chan a lot. Including the gold features I invest in is also one of their common projects, smiley face. Going back to establishing rapport, I was too busy for a day or two to play around with Tina, so she changed tactics. Back to establishing rapport. Because he didn't ask about investing or anything else. She's now like doing, set him some kind of an AI video with a weird, weird filter. And she's, men should not be used to, to taking pictures of themselves. Ha, how do you plan to spend your Saturday? I'm going to the car wash later and got it dirty when it rained the other day. Then I will visit a kitten at the pet store. It is my mysterious friend. Ha, don't you want to communicate? As I was not communicating with Tina, she had to take a step back to make sure she was not turning me off by pushing too much. Once I showed interest, we were right back in the game. He said, oh, I was actually researching that gold stuff you were talking about. So she says, now the gold futures market is closed. We invest in London gold, which is closed on weekends in the UK. Oh man, I have a lot to learn. If you want to learn it, I can teach you some investment knowledge and skills after the gold futures market opens tomorrow afternoon. I will teach you the simulated trading process before you invest with real money so you will learn faster. Big smiley face. Gold futures and crypto. This is from Asaf. Tina assures me that you will not be dealing with cryptocurrency, but gold futures. I'm assuming this is due to the latest vi vi volatility in the crypto market. This appears more stable to the victim. I also think that another reason why they're moving to gold futures is because it people know that there's crypto scams, right? So this is more like, hey, this isn't crypto. This is gold. It's different. So they go on to talk about, she says, I forgot whether I told you that my uncle and I exchanged it into gold futures account by purchasing from Ethereum, save a lot of taxes for the U.S. government, and can well hide our security information. But we're not investing in the cryptocurrency Ethereum. And she goes on to say, do you know about it? We buy it for here, but we do this. It's not gold. Back to basics. Again, I was slow to respond, so Tina had to go back to relationship building. She said, another AI-generated Sylvie, and says, the pillow grabs me and won't let go. Ha. Huh? Wow. She's like laying on a bed or something. Um, all right, I'm going to try to speed through this here. Time for business, and Tina wants me to download a well-known and trusted crypto wallet act. We're starting to go into the details now. So she asks if he's ever downloaded Kraken. That's the exchange to buy Ethereum with. So I guess she's instructing him to buy Ethereum and then do gold features with very high usage in the U.S. And he said, let me know how to do it. And she says, you search the app store Kraken, then screenshot to me, and I will mark it for you. By the way, do you have access to a visa? If you use Visa, you can use crypto. When using Visa to buy here, the funds can be directly transferred to your exchange account. Download crypto. Don't download Kraken. Change an attitude. Now that Tina thinks she has me, we're done with relationship building. When I'm slow to respond, Tina calls me, leaves voice messages, and berates me for how slow I'm responding. So she leaves a voice message and then says, is it so difficult when you choose to disappear in the process of learning? Do you think this is a good idea? You won't have any accident, will you? Then he has another a missed voicemail call. What are you doing this for? Once I respond, Tina attempts to create urgency. By the way, good news for you. Because my uncle said that there will be a good trading market node before Friday, I don't want you to miss the trading opportunity, so I'll send you a message. You gotta imagine. She's just doing this, what, out of the goodness of her heart to help somebody make money? But she's sure 
right on top of it and has a lot of free time. So then Asaf says time to make that money. Once I'm all set up, Tina gets me, starts getting me going with the trading app. I'm shocked to find out that her organization has a trading app on the Google app store. So he takes a look at it and it looks like there are a thousand plus downloads of it. It says AI trade mate F6 or FX6. I wanted to get deeper. So I asked Tina to provide me a website instead of an app. She quickly obliged. The website says one trading account covers a variety of global trading assets, contains stocks, CFDs, crude oil, precious metals, Bitcoin, base trading spreads as low as zero, the ultimate in transaction costs, access to top liquidity providers, large orders to trade at the best price, blah, blah, blah. The best, the most popular trading software Firestings provides with anytime, anywhere trading from PC to mobile. I wanted to see how Tina would respond to my hesitancy. I told her that when I Google her site, I get reports saying it's malicious. She, he provided a pop-up saying, is this website safe for a scam? This website has been reported by sp scam killers as a possible scam. I like that. He says, why is this? That's weird. Tina did not miss a beat. She was ready to convince me all of as well. But don't worry, it will appear on any trading platform because all transactions are risky. It is recognized by the US MSB financial regulator. And I'll teach you how to check it later. Incredibly, Tina's app had a preemptive prompt for paranoid web extensions, specifically warning people about this type of scam. So they say, in our opinion, our website, low trust investment earning website, we advise avoid that website that might that site may, under the pretext of making money, try to steal your funds. So don't do that. Come here. Because it was a newly created financial site, we advise you to refrain from entering personal information or financial transactions. Here's why. Okay, back to legitimacy. This time of the practice. Sensing my hesitance, Tina goes all out on legitimizing the process and the app. I'll first teach you how to check whether a certain trading platform is safe. Using and checking many platforms is guaranteed for any future transactions she makes. She even provides a, a link to FinCEN.gov. Isn't that interesting? For their MSB state selector. This is the most authoritative certification and certification and recognition platform in the U.S. financial field money services and business, MSB supervision and certification. Just enter and search here the dealer code number we use, and you can check whether the dealer we use has been certified by MSB for financial supervision. Yes, what's the code? She gives it to him. And look at that. It looks like they've been, they've been approved. So this is MSB's financial regulatory approval for dealers, so it is absolutely safe. Don't worry, smiley faces. He says, okay, good. I was a bit worried. She says, no matter what kind of transaction you do in the future, you can check it here. This is what I would call a highly sophisticated building of trust and legitimacy. And I agree with him. So this is fascinating to me because I, how often do we know exactly what happens all the way to the end without a victim? So that's why I really appreciate SF for doing this. And I hope that this was interesting as I read through it. I didn't realize how long it was, but he's anything if not thorough and actually really fascinating. So we are at what Asaf titles the finish line. Once Tina got me set up on all the platforms, she was ready to have me start investing. A bit more legitimacy building and clear instructions on how to use the site and we're ready to go. Oh, she provided a full picture of her passport and then some screenshots of how to buy it and what the market is and all of that and when to trade and all of those things. She also provides a screenshot of where to add a credit or a debit card so that he can buy Ethereum. At this point, I was not willing to go further. I got what I needed for my research. I wanted to see what happens if I poke the bear. And I start asking about geopolitical issues and specifically mentioning Cambodia. 
as I know that's where some of the victims who are forced to scam are held. I got some interesting responses. We asked about her thoughts about Taiwan, and she said Taiwan has been pursuing independence. I don't like it very much, but my mother often travels there. I think that's interesting because, depending on who you ask, Taiwan already has independence, so they wouldn't need to pursue it. Then she says, I happen to be going to the embassy today. I need to consult something about going back to China. And he says, where are you from in Cambodia? Oh, China. And she replies, what is called Cambodia? Why do you talk about countries in the south of China? Have you been here? Okay, so that was just towards the end. So he said, technical analysis of the website. It's hosted in Singapore. The site's associated with malicious site phishing for Coinbase credentials. This is all open source intelligence. He goes into that. Further findings to establish their legitimacy, these actors extend their presence to other platforms. Her research had identified TikTok accounts promoting this specific trading platform. So anyway, that is the full article because I didn't realize how long it was, but I really found it fascinating to follow the trail. We know that it all starts with those seemingly benign messages from people that just have very thin profiles on different social media sites. And it will go over several days. I think this was over the course of a week. It'll be faster if you were to ask right away, wow, how'd you make all that money? But you can see how just the internet can really make people feel like they know each other. And in some ways, it's true, right? There are people who I have only known on LinkedIn, but I know they're real people. We know all the same people. Other people I know have met them in person, et cetera, et cetera. And I feel like I know them very well, or we've had Zoom calls, et cetera. But in this case, these scammers are really hoping that if they establish a rapport and they dangle that, that especially in the economy, the way it is now, and people want to, of course, make more money, they fall victim. And usually what happens then is you're investing money on their app. You don't know where that money goes. And so you don't get it back. All right. So I, again, that was the first half of, you know, what I was going to title about LinkedIn, but really this is just all social media. And following a pig butchering scam almost to the end to be able to understand it. And I hope that in addition to just finding the methods of the scammers and all of that, interesting that it also helps, you know, how to explain it to your family and friends and just say no and just delete it. And the way that you can help any social media platform is market as spam, market as a scam. I often do that. So sometimes I delete it. Sometimes when I delete it, it says, hey, do you know this person? Do you think that it's a scam, et cetera? And I don't overly use it, but when I'm 99% sure, yeah, let's help them out because it's also helping out their model. We know that because of what we do. Well, guys, next week, I will be back with a lot of tips and tricks for using LinkedIn in a good way, in a constructive way to help your career and help you meet and learn more, meet more people who are in our field, as well as learn more from them. I know I would love to see more of you posting on LinkedIn. I know not everyone feels comfortable, but there are other ways that you can build your network and your professional development without posting all the time. So I will share some of those next week. And then in two weeks, we'll have our 200th episode. No wonder I'm tired. It's a lot of episodes. All right. Well, I hope that everyone has a great rest of the week and I will talk to you next week.
you again to Sardine for sponsoring this episode of Fraudology and for supporting information sharing and collaboration across the fraud fighter ecosystem. You can learn more about the team and their mission at Sardine via the link in today's episode description.